Hey, welcome to the Rain and Morale podcast. So do you ever feel like screaming out in the office, on Zoom or outside the school gates, for the love of God, come on, really? Then if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rain and Morale. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but in a fun and unique British style, with sarcasm, tenacity, or maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how, through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or Towie with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on, really. So enjoy. Hi, Dennis. Welcome back to the Radio Royal Podcast. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're most welcome. Honestly, I absolutely loved our conversation the first time, even though I had IT issues, I remember. Um, and yeah, thank you for agreeing to come back. And it certainly did put you off. Um, Dennis um, is just an incredible guy. So for those who didn't watch the first podcast, um, a very brief intro. Um, but Dennis is an author, a writer, uh, an academic, and is in a mastermind in all things technology, blockchain, smart cities, and you can probably see behind him, kind of has his fingers in an awful lot of pies and businesses as well. So uh, Dennis also has his own really successful podcast, makes mine look pretty crap. Um, But uh, yeah, he has some incredible guests. So welcome back, Dennis. And the reason why I wanted to bring you back is I really wanted to talk about this book, Fourth Industrial Revolution, um, Reinventing a Nation, but with an angle on ESG impact. So firstly, thank you for sharing the book with me. I genuinely read it from front to back. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear from you. What what made you, what was the, the, the kind of thesis behind writing the book? And yeah, tell us a little bit more about it. Well, thank you so much for your kind words, and uh, I think your podcast is excellent, so uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, so the, this book was created uh, uh, as a kind of a two-phases uh, part. So the first part of this book was initially more ambitious and about more disruptive. Um, actually, it was about the the next revolution tsunami, um, which I think we are getting for that with AI. Uh, but uh, then I start working with a couple of governments, and as well as you see, I have a co-author. Although, of course, he was more like just facilitating the book, not much involved in writing. But uh, that co-author was from a government. And my idea was when I was working with the government and a couple of governments as well, I understood, okay, if I'm going to be too radical, um, but at the same time, people don't understand anything about these topics. And it's really something for people listening to us. Even the concept of 4IR and 4th Industrial Revolution is not mainstream. Um, and for us, it might be uh, the same if you talk about digital transformation. So my, my point was, okay, <laughs> let me do something that is more educational, more down to earth. Of course, there's still a lot of levels and you need still to read it to get it. But uh, the goal was definitely, okay, if I don't go and and try to, uh, it's about about education, 
But if I yeah. don't get this in this direction, of course, we have a problem. So my my point was much more in the direction, okay, let's get one thing that can actually solve problems uh, to organizations and actually that can actually, um, for people listening to us, that they understand what you're talking about. And that made a big difference. And that's why the book was done in the way it is and looking at the, dev, the different areas that we have. So that's, that's partly the way we take it forward. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think, it's a really critical part of this book because albeit as much as I thought I understood about IoT and blockchain and, and decentralized systems, um, the book's really well written in the sense that um, it made sense and it brought examples. And so it reminded me of like kind of university studies or things like that. So I think for anyone out there who's kind of toying with the idea or doesn't quite understand all the different concepts i think this is a great starting point for that so kudos to you and the team um for kind of getting that across but you mentioned there in, in the beginning about a tsunami of ai and what's coming and i guess my world sit in two places one is around climate impact and systems change and the other is trying to keep on board and on top of your world which is very not you personally but your world in terms of tech it blockchain and if i'm honest the two absolutely excite me but terrify me so yeah <laughs> that's a bit of a blunt statement there but i guess when you read what's coming from a technological point of view and you read what's coming from a kind of um global climate systems point of view it's really hard to kind of navigate through the positives so can you help me try and navigate through those well that's a that's a very sensitive question um because i i think there are days where i try to be positive but most of the days i really get scared okay and um and the point right now is a maker of technology because a lot of these things I'm doing it myself. Actually, when I wrote the book, I was not as advanced. Now we're doing this technology. So yeah. let's separate by parts, okay? So let's focus on the negative and then all the positive because it's easy to finish in the more positive level. So I would say that on the on the negative side, uh, and it's a much bigger uh, sensitive area, is yeah. definitely the biggest uh, challenge for me is the digital divide. Right. So the, that is a concept. Actually, I recently created an infographic about uh, digital literacy. And uh, let, let's look at digital literacy. And uh, if you want, I can share the screen if you want, because that might yeah. be interesting for the audience. They can see as well. So the infographic I did was um, was precisely touching um, uh, different areas. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I found out, and it's that the challenge when it comes to the part of just the digital literacy, I'm not even talking about the rest, is is this. Okay, I'll, I'll share shortly. And Thank this you. touch uh, answers to your point, and I'll back the, the Zoom to you, uh, the host, uh, in a second to you. So Thank when you. you talk about digital literacy, and this touches everything uh, my book is doing, but uh, uh, it, it goes a bit further because, of course, this was done recently. Um, so when you talk about... Uh, digital transformation, which is the fourth industrial revolution, which is the fourth industrial revolution, we talk about uh, the process of information, media, technology, and digital transformation. And mm -hmm. of course, when you talk about this, you talk about digital ID, right? digital 
um, well-being, which is the way we deal with digital, and that digital safety and digital security. Mm-hmm. And as you see, there's a lot of things here. I'm not going through all of them. And the challenge that we have right now is that, uh, especially with the fourth industrial revolution, which was the most advanced revolution in the history of humanity, is yeah. that uh, all of these specially uh, digital ID that we've been creating, which most of the people are not conscious, uh, yeah. created a digital divide. And the digital divide is the gap between people in society. We have full access to digital transformation and digital technologies. And uh, sometimes you might even have access to these technologies, but you don't know how to use them. Or you are completely lost in terms of communication skills, and you don't have the the dynamic of education to work on this or the critical thinking thinking to evaluate and adapt to these changes. And this, for instance, an example in the UK where you and me are based is, for instance, the Brexit. Brexit was a digital divide. It was a manipulation of data, independent of your views around Brexit. It was a manipulation of data using Facebook algorithm and APIs, mostly from yeah. Facebook, to manipulate people that are less digital. Um, I would say they have less digital well-being. And this happened as well with yeah. the Trump election and so forth. I'm not here putting politics. I'm talking purely manipulation of data. And the people can talk about fake news and all these different things. But this is there's academic studies. I'm talking about data, not... Uh, I think we need to really to look at... And this is a big problem. So this this is part of the negative part is that this brings... I'm not even talking about AI. I'm talking pure digital divide. Yeah. This creates two different kinds of areas. One is digital obesity which is a big concept that for me is key. And the digital obesity is over-consuming of information and not giving enough rest. Right. And, and this obesity is right now getting into digital cynicism, is that people are using technology, but they don't believe in anything. And this is creating uh, all the theor- conspiracy theories that you have on, on channels like most of the social networks. And a lot of people, and I'm talking a lot of people, that are creating content yeah. spending hours and hours their lives in their case that are completely based on fake things right so this created almost like a, a parallel reality of humanity that mm-hmm. all the achievements we did in science and technology are obliterated by people that because they have access to these tools they use it in yeah. completely wrong ways and this is for me one of the biggest challenges we are facing as human species okay and uh yeah. sorry i know that this is technical i don't know if you want to ask anything because i want to then go to the next level which is even more yeah, just, scary but important just before you just before you dive into that just an observation i guess as a as a user of tech and a, an observer of my children i guess and also a an observer of lack of using tech with my parents for example um, just the speed in which that has grown over just two generations and how for the greater good of how it could have been used, i.e. educating people fact from fiction or creating this critical systems thinking in people, it's done the exact opposite. Well, it, it's, uh, yes, completely right. But uh, let's... Uh, the, Let's look at the negative and the positive. It did this for a percentage of people, and these people are very influential. But at the same time, the majority of people, very important thing, if you go back just 50 years, most of people around the world didn't even know how to write or read. Okay, 
just 50 years, I don't even know. And if you go, humanity is hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. as, uh, as sapiens, probably 40,000. So that means, and this is, comes to the concept of my book, Forfeit This Revolution, and I will share a last slide that actually makes a, an evolution between all the revolutions, uh, all the all the, the different uh, uh, stages of revolution, because I think it's very important people understand what is this and how we get to this, because... Uh, is uh, that's why I love your podcast, and that's what I try to do in mine as well. Is how we create this education level without yeah. getting out uh, of the basis, okay? Because sometimes people very easily get basis, get out of the basis, and they get a bit uh, um, confused, uh, like yeah. you said. So, so without going too much on the negative, but just highlighting right now the facts and this this touches. So, if you look mm. at uh, the fourth industrial revolution, this is a graphic I created. So we have. In the end of the day, in the last 30,000 years of history, we achieved more in the last 300 years than we achieved in 30,000 years of history of humanity. So after yeah. the invitation, after the invention of fire, there was not much <laughs> that was done. After that, probably, of course, we, get, we did the reading, alphabet, of course, and we did the, the will. That's it. And then, of course, there were some inventions in healthcare, but not really significant inventions that leapfrog. And very important thing. So if you look at uh, 1760, when we start the first industrial revolution, mm-hmm. to just the beginning, which is the second. So the first one was mechanical steam power and water power, which is actually started here in the UK and in Europe, and then passed to the US. And then you have 1871, second industrial revolution, electricity and railroad. And here was the biggest breakthrough because you have to see, beginning of the 20th century, there was yeah. 1 billion people in the planet. Yeah. Less than 1 billion. And very important things, just for people listening to us, we just came out of COVID. In COVID, there was um, around 10, 20 million, 30 million people that died, official numbers worldwide. In the beginning of the 20th century, with the Spanish flu, there were 200 million that died. It was 20% of the world population. Yeah. So if you see in parallel from an evolution of technology, and this is on the positive side, everything that happened with these revolutions were very positive, were excellent mm-hmm. for the world. Of course, from a sustainability perspective, not necessary, but it's not so disastrous as sometimes we take it. Of course, it depends yeah. on how we see the carbon neutral and all these issues of, of uh, uh, and the sustainability. But the, the thing is that humanity as a species... So humanity as a species destroyed part of ecosystems for all its iteration, but it was not just us because most yeah. of the other species were killing each other. We just took over the humanity. So there's a lot of ways how you see this from a humanistic perspective or nature, non-human perspective. Um, yes. But well, these three revolutions, so first one, second electricity, third was the internet, which was just in less than uh, 60 years ago. And then yeah. <laughs> in 60 years, we create another one 10 times bigger, okay? Yes. So that means the last two revolutions is 10 times bigger, and we just started the fourth industrial revolution. So that's what I talk about my book, is this revolution. Okay. And this one is supposed to be empowering us and scalable adaptability, adaptability in terms of technology. So, and this, of course, should be as well about the, uh, the concept of social economic governance and as well, bringing all the different things, the smart society and so forth, that and smart cities and all these different yeah. concepts that I have in my book. So I just want to, I'll stop here, the, the infographic. So the challenge, and this is on the, just on historical level. And uh, my part for me, that is the challenge that I find uh, on these areas 
is, and, and to answer to your question, because you asked me the positive and the negative, um, is how can we right now look at, so these things happen, whatever you like it or not. Like you said, yeah. the challenge of the digital divide is that there's a huge part of the world population that doesn't understand how to use digital transformation. For instance, just some numbers, there's 400 million SMEs and micro SMEs in the world. This is more or less the numbers from World Bank and around 7 to 80 billion people. So friends, from the 400 million SMEs and micro SMEs, around 90% don't have a website by a digital uh, digital presence ID. But everyone has a phone at the moment. Even yeah. I did a case study, I went to Mauritania, to close to yeah. the desert in Africa. And uh, I work with, a, it was a project we did for a social impact and, and with a financial cooperative. And what I found out was even close to the desert, and I bought phones to test, people had like a phone, like these old phones from Nokia that you could yeah, use yeah. for a couple of days. And then they had some kind of smartphone. And even the fishermen in the most remote places, like 200 kilometers from the capital, were using smart uh, smartphone, especially with uh, WhatsApp, to send information right. about the fish they got in the sea and send it to the the the, the fish uh, market. So all of this is happening as we speak. So mm -hmm. coming back to finish the negative, and the positive we're touching as well, but the negative yeah. and the positive are interlected right now is about the narrative we have. But uh, uh, the, the negative side is definitely the manipulation of these tools for not the right things. And there's or a lot for of... for a very risk. few number of people. Exactly. But this right. few member of people can actually make a tsunami event. Uh, uh, so the, the the black swans and this is the challenge is that is the first time normally to create we always had dictators we had always had some crazy people unfortunately in, in history of humanity and mm -hmm. we are going for stages and so forth uh, but the challenge right now is how we actually can actually some of these people using some of these tools can create mass ripple effects on society which is yeah. the case of Brexit and the case of uh, um, of the Trump election, which was manipulated in a lot of ways. And I'm not mm -hmm. defending politics. I'm talking about specific case studies because you can actually use social media to get to one elections. Everyone uses it, but you can use it then to lie and create a lie that becomes institutional. And that's a big challenge because then you create parallel kind of reality, uh, historical levels. And this is a big problem because there's hundreds of millions of people that right now are living in parallel uh, history uh, or right. lack of history or scientific denial and a lot of different things. Yeah. And and this is, for me, the biggest risk. But this risk right now, and this is the biggest negative part, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more cataclysmic, but depends on how we actually can change that and these people like us that can make it and people listening to us, is, yeah. first of all, the challenge right now with AI <clears throat> is that AI is becoming sentient. There's no doubt it's not it's not in 10 years now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, for instance, one of the small example, we don't need to be too much technological advanced, is that AI generative language models, and I will try not to be too technical. So what is a generative AI language model? Is a, a, a very advanced artificial intelligence system that creates, replicates the language models that we use as humans. Okay. So in a very basic way, of course, with a lot of stuff. And these generative models are um, 
de develop based on the corpuses and not the concept corpus is like the Latin word for body. Yeah. But they are feed based on data corpus. It's a new term right now for all the different, for instance, one corpus of data is Wikipedia. Another yeah. one is, is the news. Another one is Twitter. Another one is Reddit and so forth. So these AIs, what they do is they replicate the way we humans speak. Right. communicate with each other. But then they feed themselves with big amounts of corpus of data. So the challenge right now is that this it's creating a paradox because these language models can think like us. And also, if, if they're importing data that already exists and we know that the data is... In not factual or is a polished version of the truth or not quite the full history, then we're just going to repeat the same problem, surely. But in a much bigger scale, that's the biggest yeah. risk. Is the, the challenge right now, let me give an example. So, for instance, as when I speak with you, for instance, I'm Portuguese. I was educated partly as well in, Fran in, in French language and France as well because part of my family is French. So, I speak... In English, I bring Portuguese uh, DNA, I bring French, and then, of course, there's all my way of education, and I, am quite, uh, I have quite a, a senior education. Um, but my education, I can actually talk with you more or less with facts, but still, when we work, there's language that I will bring uh, to put an idea that I might mix multiple different variations of my own processing of information. And sometimes if I try to go in one idea that I cannot find the right words, I might try to go around the words. Yeah. So this is me as human, and I'm uh, not a conventional um, uh, on that level because, I, of course, I'm I'm a bit more, more pushy than most of probably a lot of other people. But the idea here is that the, the language models, they do the same. Yeah. So what happens is that when they don't find the right words, the right data. The challenge right now, and this is right now official, this is one of the, the troubles, yeah. especially with ChatGPT, is that they start uh, fabricating new facts. And people and are looking at ChatGPT, for example, as, oh my God, it's the given, you know, you can plug in anything and it'll give you the honest answer. Well, I did that. I did the classic, who is Rona Morel? Apparently, I'm some random woman from america who's a physicist or something like that exactly the point so what chef gpt does is picks your name picks whatever information he has and normally it's two years back because of course to get real-time data you have to pay a lot for that that's why chef gpt got 12 billion dollars of funding that's the reason for that and that's why they have so much lawsuits against them so uh the data that they to get this kind of information, which is more advanced than Google search, uh, and the Google mm -hmm. search is quite advanced, and as well as processing real time, is that they picks information. Let's use your example. It picks information about your name. And then if it doesn't pick too much, for instance, if you don't have a website with your bio, if there's not a lot of PRs with your information, we'll kind of create a fabricated version of yourself. And yeah. now replicate this for all the topics that ChatGPT has been asked. So at the moment, uh, the AI processing capacity of the generative language is purely an engineer of language, but as an engineer of language, is like a human. Yeah. So it's the first sentient uh, entity. And the point is that because it's interacting 
with us, it starts having some kind of memory. It's a very right. tiny memory. So it's becoming really effectively an evolution of human. It's the first AGI that we created as a mass scale. So we are already creating a new iteration of humanity that is completely engineer-driven, no organic, no emotions. So we are at this stage. So as you can imagine, everything we, we, we read or saw in science fiction is happening as we speak. Um, so knowing, I mean, you, you're, you're at the very top pinnacle of kind of what's going on. I mean, I saw videos recently that it, that that they're now capable of completely using your face and your voice to say whatever the hell you like. I mean, that was inevitable. Um, I'm building that technology. I know. And I'll, you know, I've, I've seen some of your, you know, metaverse, um work and it's just incredible but we talk about digital divide that is so huge in terms of i kind of i envy my parents in a way or my dad specifically who says not gonna i'm not on social never gonna start now he has got a smartphone give him that and he can just about use whatsapp but he's like i'm happily gonna go into my grave and not even have to entertain any of this i envy that actually I, I I just think how am I going to navigate this for my kids um and, and stay on top of it that divide is so huge Dennis I don't know how we're ever gonna because those that have got the money and the power will always be developing 10 15 20 years ahead of us and we're just always we're always on catch-up and by then it's too late yeah, it, it's you're right. Actually, this is the biggest challenge, and not just that. At the moment, my main concern is not necessarily just the, the digital divide; is the ripple effects that can happen very fast. So, let me give an example. If, if uh, any can, well, let, let's look at another element that is going to bring more concern. So, if you look at, uh, okay, you and me are in democratic Western world, okay, yeah. uh, but if you look at the world population, so there's let's say seven, eight billion people. Yeah, eight billion. Europe, Europe is around one billion. US, all the, all the uh, Americas is m- maximum one billion. But if you look at the Western countries, are not more than 1.5 billion people. I'm talking countries that have some kind of democracy. Right. What this tells you, there's 7.5 billion people or 6.5 billion people are not in democratic regimes they don't think with the same ethics elements that you and me were educated they don't think about the sg they don't think about this because they're surviving or then they have to cope with much more complex i'm not saying that is good or bad more complex regimes and the point in europe we have this tendency that you are superior <laughs> now what you're doing is uh, and the very important thing from this 6.5 billion people that are not in kind of re- democratic regimes. Most of the population is 20 years old. So that means this is the biggest challenge, is that the ethics that we have in Europe and Western world are going to be all broken. Yeah. And there will be two things here. So if you're programming these technologies, uh, like most of the technology so far is still coming from Europe and US, 
and China yes. is already getting catch up. But especially AI, the US managed to, especially ChatGPT came from the US. But China is quite advanced, especially in blockchain and other areas of cybersecurity and, and surveillance technology. So the challenge that we are facing is if we program this technology with some kind of ethics, or if we program this technology with a kind of, uh, I would say, authoritarian capacities. Yes. And very important thing, these language models and generative models are learning faster than you and me can process any of the information. So what is going to happen right now is that if these language models and if these corporations, first of all, and for instance, we have a mission impossible starting uh, right now as we speak in mm. this week, that is precisely about the generative model that takes over the world. Uh, so this is in science fiction is all over and doesn't new that actually they they actually launched the film. The film was done before actually ChatGPT was launched. So yeah. at the moment, this is happening as we speak. Okay, so the point right now is how can we actually put point one, the technology evolution, the ethics, and all the areas that you speak in your uh, channel as well, which are very important, the sustainability, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and the reality of civilization. So yeah. this is the biggest paradox. And actually, the digital divide is creating as well another kind of problem, is that uh, if you look at the world economy, and uh, sorry, I'm putting a lot of complex items, but... Uh, no, you I'm asked me the question. no, 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 no. <laughs> So for me, the biggest challenge is still that, okay, from there's three major elements of financial macro data. So the world economy is around 80 to 100 trillion dollars. Secondly, the world debt is around 500 trillion. Depends on the numbers you put it because there's not really <laughs> completely numbers on that. But if you yeah. look at the global derivatives, talking CFDs and all these trading derivatives, is over 1,000 trillion dollars. So we have a complete paradox of these three macro numbers and whatever you put it more or less, uh, it's more or less this. And then we have the rest of the world population that lives with less than $1,000 per month, which that means yes. 8 billion people. If you just do, not 8, but let's say uh, 7 billion people uh, can, yeah. live, can live with maximum $5,000 to $10,000 per year. So you multiply this, that is still not even the world. So we could solve all the problems of the world economy if we would just divide better the wealth and you create educational systems. That's the paradox. It's in our hands, okay? And that's exactly. partly why I build some of these technologies because I believe that if you do it driven by platforms that are neutral, um, that's why I create Open Business Council and Cities ABC, but it, uh, part of the reason I'm creating AI meta-humans is because I want to humanize the, the, the AIs. If I'm starting to humanize AIs, at least the AI will not be just an engineering system. We'll have to have some kind of human, humanistic approach. And that's actually right now two kind of crazy theories. That is the that is one theory that is Larry Page. Uh, it's pushing it. Uh, it's too much for me, but uh, it's it's public. Right. Um, that is the digital. Uh, I always get the name the term right, but I think it's important for our audience uh, and for you and me. Digital. Um, so it, it's kind of uh, people that don't care about uh, um, how we look, how redesigning humanity uh, from a humanistic perspective or purely from an intelligence perspective. Aye. So that means from an intelligence perspective, that means all the AI we're creating doesn't need humans. 
And there are people thinking about this, okay? So this is quite a big, <laughs> this is all happening as we speak. It's the first time in history of humanity because we always had the, the kind of metaverse that mean it would be religion or narratives or storytelling. But now this is all happening in a much, much bigger um, challenge. So like this is my, my I, I have dreams and nightmares according to how you see this. But as a father, as a human, what I think is, okay, how can we keep our basics of humanity and create education and channels like yours and mine? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I, 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 I kind of want to take the question back now. Uh, <laughs> not really joking. No, but I think, I think that's the reality. It's kind of like, how can we, the, the very fact that humans are trying to <laughs> essentially get rid of humans by not making the world even think or do or manufacture or create or produce or consume um, is actually really quite ironic. Um, and I think you've got, when you combine the paradox of this population, inequality, technology, and essentially that, you know, kind of impact uh, ESG, um, there is one, only one kind of cause an effect that's going to happen now how quickly that happens i guess is down to down to a very small number of people but let's take what you're developing and let's finish the last five minutes or so on the positive ripples that if we take your meta humans and we decide that actually everything we put into these meta humans is an unpolished version of the truth all the facts the data the number the true history of colonialism the true history of where humans came from, whatever that might be, what really do we mean when we say carbon? So we talk about historic emissions, we talk about um, exported emissions, and we talk about today's emissions. We have this truly honest platform. What ripples can you help us create to ensure that those billions of people are given the right educational information yeah it's a very good question and uh, and and i try to answer every day so so because of course as as an entrepreneur as a business person you have to be in the competition you have to do the things that uh, push for your business you have to deal with challenges you have to deal with ethical people as ethical people everyone on us even the people we love sometimes we have fights uh and even our children that we love so so it's part of our human part all our duality and all our conflicts but i, I want to come back to the biggest i think the biggest uh, challenge to answer to your question very fast is the challenge that we have right now is how do you see the concept of utopia and that will concept so at, at the moment i'm actually working two concepts i actually create a new platform called futopian that is future utopia and you have dystopia right. So we have these two concepts. And then the second thing is that, uh, and this is the question, the, the, the thing I was talking about, Larry Page and Elon Musk, is that at the moment, uh, um, so Elon Musk believes in AI that is speciesist. So that means that the species, species needs to drive AI, which in this right. case would be human species. <laughs> and, and Larry Page thinks that we don't need any species that AI can become a digital utopia, right. which of course is a paradox that intelligence does need humanity. Okay. Um, so I don't believe definitely in Larry Page on this, and I don't want to be on this part because yeah. I think it's too, 
uh, creepy. And at the end of the day, uh, we need the organic part. Um, of course, we can very easily right now create an AI that can destroy humanity. This can happen as we speak. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and it actually can go faster than we thought. But uh, on the positive ripples, uh, it's exactly what I'm doing with technology is, first of all, creating platforms that are driven by um, people with values. Of course, no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. And I'm not trying to be this politically correct. I hate political correctness. Uh, but uh, what we have to do right now, and actually I hate more, the more I get into tech and business, it's very important. I want to highlight this because political correctness is the biggest challenge for the Western civilization. Because if you see before the Second World War, and this is the ripples that happened before in history, is that yeah. the Second World War happened because the moderate people in Europe were silent, the moderate people. And then what happened is all the regimes that are all the extreme parts of society, extreme right or extreme left, created dictatorships. And that was the 20th century. We have the extreme right created the communism, extreme left, uh, sorry, extreme right created fascism, extreme left created communism or socialistic yeah. uh, dictatorships. It's history, okay? We are. We should not repeat this now because it's not possible to repeat because the velocity, the point is that a revolution will happen in 10, 20, 50 years. Now it's in months. If you see just the fourth yeah. of this revolution was 60 years before the previous one. Okay, so the ripples that I believe that we can actually do a lot of difference is definitely for education and vision and narrative. So storytelling yeah. is key. And that's why I'm starting to create for it's partly the reason I start pushing uh, human avatars with quality, photographic quality, was that I was seeing my daughter, uh, she's 10 years old, playing with Roblox. Yeah. And I started seeing, okay, she and our older generation are already not differentiating digital and physical. And if you have children around these ages, they're all playing with this. Yeah. And they have their avatars, but their avatars are really very basic. And at the same time, most of them are just money-driven and interacting money driven so okay let me create an avatar that can be a beautiful or can be a human in multiple different iterations but can actually interact with people and start creating so if we do this even the ai will have to think okay i can actually think like a human so it's a bit of a reverse engineer the the excesses that we have right now especially with ai engineering and then this is the most important because we cannot we need to look at ai urgently because like I subscribe to all the people saying that if you don't do it now, we're out. We get out yeah. of the driving city. Okay. And definitely the species will be digital AI like Larry Page is wishing. Um, so that is happening as we speak. We cannot stop it because the AI is already a velocity yeah. that pass already humans. So that's the first part is being conscious about this and creating technology that can counterbalance this and actually can create new narratives on this. Point one, yeah. and the creation of technology and solutions, even podcasts like ours, can make a big difference. Then the second mm -hmm. is education, 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 and coaching. Because uh, one of the things, for instance, I created Open Business Council. Initially, Open Business Council was a thought leadership uh, platform for business. Then I discovered, okay, no one even knows what a digital left to go down to earth and. I kept the same name <laughs> because it's yeah. Open Business Council, but it was more like it's a council of people in business that is open. But it's about resisting business, creating, for instance, a registration using blockchain technology to make sure that can only be one Rona. And if you have, for instance, my idea of putting blockchain technologies that if you yeah. just list the companies and each company 
can actually, because Wikipedia, is, is, it has some flows, it's a fantastic platform, but it's more focused on celebrities than actually humans uh, or people that... For instance, I just saw that as well. You can pay someone to just do a wiki page, wiki page on you. It, it's a, it's a, you can pay, but they can take it down. But ironically, I did some tests myself, and I know actually the founder of Wikipedia, but I have one thing, because Wikipedia was done as a, as a knowledge encyclopedia not as a human kind of repository of information about humans and, and companies. So they prioritize personalities that are all very famous because they have a lot of uh, uh, sources, but people yeah. like you and me, they're not interested for Wikipedia, which is very stupid. But if it's a celebrity that just launched an album and got a lot of views, immediately you'll get a Wikipedia page. So it's it's a, it's on the DNA of Wikipedia and there's all the editors that are as well, very politically correct in some ways, but actually very lack of, of understanding on business. And yeah. this is partly the extreme rights and the extreme lefts that actually get into the, the discussion and even the narrative, I we still think, in society. But then it comes back to reality. So if you just, the reason of mostly open business accounts is Wikipedia for business with the marketplace. Yeah. But the reason I did it was it doesn't exist. So that means if I want to see about your Rona, I can go to your yeah. LinkedIn profile or to your website. And the LinkedIn profile, I can create a, a, a profile on the name of Rona Morel and yeah. you'll have to go to Wikipedia. No, this is not me. Someone pretend to be me. So exactly. if you just put in blockchain, that doesn't happen. You can actually own that page. And yeah. uh, at the moment, we're putting this already. The technology is all built, but scaling it to people to have like a blue tick for them, like you have in Twitter, very yeah. sm small price. But the price is important, I believe, on this because the difference with Wikipedia, because they don't have revenue streams. They're dependent of a lot of uh, corporations that give them money to to steal their data in the other way it's that no one gives it for free so uh because that's what google does they give the money to to wikipedia and then they take it on search results that's what uh, right. microsoft and a lot of other organizations are doing right now at ChatGPT. they they crawling all this data and passing to the AI models they are learning so as long right. as we create models of corpus of data that create more narratives that are positive and scientific driven we actually can actually still change and reverse engineer this. That's the positive ripples. And definitely, yeah. for instance, for young generations, the challenge of the digital divide is creating billions of people that have potential no jobs because all the jobs will be automated. So we need to create new uh, creative economies, gig economy systems that can actually can be gamifying, and that's one of the areas that I'm working, gamifying systems that actually integrate society and create a system, a sense that you are, you are good for society. Because the challenge, if you feel that you are no, you are cynic to society, of course you go to terrorism or you become a nihilist or you become yeah. someone that doesn't care less, which is a big problem of the world population. Then the moderates again will be taken by the by the elites, the good or the bad ones. They will do this, and that is the challenge we're facing as a civilization. Yeah. This happened in the Roman Empire. They had a very good development. Suddenly, the tribes that come in, the wild tribes of the north took over them. Now they are the sophisticated, but history is changing very fast. Sorry, yeah. it's a long answer, but I'm trying to summarize no, this. I appreciate it was a ridiculously unrealistic question to really answer, to be honest with you. But I think what... <laughs> because of the the gravity and scale of what we're what we're talking about i think what excites me i guess about this is what you say is around the the education the narrative the storytelling the ability to open our eyes and and look at every side of of a story and history is so important we have such an opportunity to 
look, we've tried it this way and that way a million times and it keeps telling us to not keep moving on like that. So if billions of people are not going to have a role or it's automated, then how do we allow these humans to thrive and be prosperous with essentially the basic needs and skills of humans and allow us to identify within the ecosystem that we that we live in um and that's i guess one for another podcast <laughs> um mm-hmm. but dennis honestly i the, the book was fantastic seriously if anybody wants to just get up to speed on um just some of the terminologies that get flown around all the time um, and how we can use this for the good. So when I looked in the book around using blockchain for sustainability and security and smart contracts, smart cities, um, and we touch on the risks and regulations, et cetera, please pick up the book because um, it really helped me understand to a greater level. And Dennis, I, Thank you so much for coming on again to talk through this. I know my questions have been quite challenging. No, no, no. I love your questions. And I I, I, I am very grateful because channels like yours and I, please, I, I, I always promote your channel to, to a lot of people because it's really important that you actually discuss this with facts, at least with facts and people that know. I normally don't talk about what I don't research or I don't know. Okay. And and I think people should not talk about what they don't know or should do research. The challenge sometimes they do research on YouTube and they find the most crazy stuff. And, and that's a challenge as well in these platforms. You search and you think then you start creating a parallel knowledge base that is completely based on, on facts that are wrong and most of them fake. So it's, if we can create this narrative and your channel yeah. kudos to that and it's really important because this is a way for us to learn i learn with you and we share information and i i'm very humble on this i have to keep learning yeah. all of us oh absolutely thank you so much and thank you for your your passions your inquisitiveness and your ability to just keep going at sometimes something that's very very complex and difficult so big love to the family and the rest of the team and thank, thank you, you so so much for joining me No, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and honor. You're welcome. So that's it. You've made it. The show's over. Thank you for being with us. I hope you've been able to take something away, maybe solve a problem, or just know you're not alone. Here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way. Please feel free to find me on all social media channels, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search the Rony Morale podcast. Have an awesome day, and see you next time.